0: Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. It's been a while since we first met and got to know the very funny and talented Ashley Nicole Black. A lot's happened in Ashley's world, so it makes perfect sense to have her back for a part two. Ashley happens to be part of HBO's new comedy series, A Black Lady Sketch Show, created by Robin Thede and co-executive produced by Issa Rae. A black lady sketch show is a television anomaly. That's because its cast, writer's room, and director are all black women. Thede, by the way, was the first African-American woman to be head writer on a late night show, The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore on Comedy Central. Speaking of firsts in late night comedy, before joining the black lady sketch show family, Ashley was a correspondent and part of the award-winning writing team for Full Frontal with Samantha B, which was the first political talk show hosted by a woman and whose writing staff was the most diverse in late-night history. In 2017, Ashley won an Emmy for Outstanding Writer for Variety Show for Full Frontal with Samantha B Presents, not the White House Correspondents' Dinner. In addition to her work on Full Frontal, Ashley's appeared on Comedy Central's Drunk History and in the 2014 film American History. Oh, one more thing. Ashley hosts Sip on This. It's a podcast that features some super smart women who offer advice about careers, dating, you name it. Ashley began her career at Second City in Chicago after earning a master's in performance studies at Northwestern. She dropped out of a Ph.D. program to pursue comedy. Her undergraduate degree in theater arts comes from the University of California, Santa Cruz. Ashley, I'm exhausted. did my mom write that intro? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oftentimes when I'm doing an intro and my guests will say, gee, I had no idea. So let's work our way backwards. How did a black lady sketch show come to be? How was it born?
1: Uh, I think Robin had had the idea for many years and was just waiting for, you know, the right timing and everything to come together. And she was doing the rundown on BET, which was an amazing late night show that they unfortunately canceled. And the day it got canceled, Issa called her and was like, what do you want to do next? And she was like, well, I have this idea for a sketch show. And HBO bought it
0: immediately. Really? I mean, there was no yeah. pushing
1: a rock up a hill?
0: Not at all, which is unheard
1: of. Yeah. It, yeah. They, it straight to series. Uh, we didn't do a pilot or anything. They just immediately were on board with the concept, which is so amazing.
0: So when was the initial idea? What year?
1: I think that's a Robin question because she and Holly Walker, who's one of the writers on the series, and Amber Russin, who's one of the writers as well, they were on a sketch team, like a Black Lady sketch team, for years. Okay, so I think like she's technically had the idea for a very long time, and it was just like after the rundown was when she was available to make a show, and I think like the alchemy of her plus Issa plus plus HBO, it finally, like, everything came together. All the for stars it.
0: were aligned. Yeah. So how did you get involved? Because you were very happy at Full Frontal, right?
1: Yeah. You know, that show was, like, super successful, and it was so great to work on. We had such a good time. Um, I was just starting to be like, I'm tired of watching the news, because, like, <laughs> a big part of that job is, like, yeah. Yeah, I would get up at six o'clock in the morning and turn on the news and then it would be literally on until I went to bed. That was the lifestyle. So right at the moment that I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know how much more of this news I can watch. I get a text from Robin and she's like, I'm doing a show and you're coming.
0: It was no question mark. Involved oh, wow. That's the stuff that fairy tales are made out of.
1: Yes, literally. I mean, I started out in sketch comedy at the Second City and Sketch is my most preferred medium. I love writing and performing, getting to do both at the same time. And I just love the medium of sketch. But like as a black woman, a lot of people do enter the industry through like Second City or UCB or IO and start out doing sketch. But there aren't a lot of black women doing sketch on television. So you kind of know that, like, even though that was your entry, you're going to have to learn how to do something else if you want to work in television, because there's not a lot of room for us. So so someone texting and being like, I have a sketch show and I want you to do it. Like, um, did you hear my prayers? Like, what's going on here?
0: (laughs) So it was a fantasy that became a reality. Literally, yes. Isn't that the greatest? So so take us through the birthing process.
1: <laughs> um, of the show?
0: Yes, darling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like Robin gave birth to it. I was like one of the people in the room with the camera and the cigar, like waiting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it was very fast.
0: Give me a date. When was that? When you were one of the women in the room?
1: Um, oh, I think the writers room started in January of this year. Of
0: 2019. Okay.
1: Yeah, so January writer's room starts show on the air in August. It's insane. They got the go from HBO. They staffed up the room very quickly. Um, We started writing in January and it was just like we hit the ground running.
0: I mean, that's unheard of, isn't it?
1: It's a testament to what happens when you put a bunch of black women in the room. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh We
1: were raring to go. And also the nature of sketch is like none of these sketches are topical or political. But even if they're not, sketch gets old very quickly. So you don't want to have a lot of time in between writing and air date because, you know, it's just like what's funny today isn't necessarily funny six months from now. A lot of stuff is timeless, but some stuff isn't. Like, you want things to feel sort of timeless and universal and anything that's about human emotion, relationships, you know, a mother and a daughter, boyfriend and girlfriend, that stuff is always going to play. But, you know, the pop culture references, the intricacies, stuff like that ages very quickly.
0: What was it like when you informed the powers that be at Samantha's show that you wanted to go?
1: It was all love. And like, I was worried about it because when you're leaving a show for no reason, you're like, I'm happy here. This is great. (laughs) It's always like worrisome. Okay. What is this conversation going to be? But Sam was immediately like, Oh my God, a black lady sketch show. Like this sounds so amazing. You're going to crush. This is going to be so huge for your career. And, you know, Sam was a person who, I applied to to Full Frontal just as a writer, and just in googling me, you know, the the little background search every employer does before right, they hire right. you. She saw some of my performing online and she already knew that she wanted to make me a correspondent. And, like, if you looked at my resume at that time, not many people would have made that move. Like, no one was like, oh, I think television's really hungry for this plus size black lady. commentary <laughs> on politics. Uh-huh. But, you know, she saw like a few short clips of me and, and she saw like, a vision of what I could do and what my career could be as a writer performer. So I think when I came to her with, you know, there's the sketch show, she was very immediately like, oh, my gosh, that's the next step for you. And it's going to be huge. And it was just a really lovely experience to have someone who cares so much about your career in that way that like her first response was like what it was going to do for me.
0: Isn't that great? And to wish you well. Yeah. When you got this job, did you feel like you died and went to heaven?
1: So for late night shows, you know, they send out a packet, basically, of um, some writing you're going to do to, like, prove to them that you can do the job. And the list, the, like, packet of what they wanted and their description of what the show would be, because the show didn't exist, Right. So they sort of sent out a two-page description of like, this is what we think this show is going to look like. You know, write some sample pieces that could be on this show. Reading that, I was like, someone has been reading my diary and just transcribed <laughs> it. It was like everything that I was wishing would be on television. Because, you know, I'm a comedy nerd. I watch all these late night shows. I laugh at all of them. But there was a perspective that was missing, that feminist perspective. Right. And the way they describe um, Samantha B and Joe Miller, showrunner, the way that they described what their show was going to be, I was like, oh, it's like someone made a custom made dress for me before they met me. And all I have to do is put it on. Mm. And I had done a lot of packets before that. And you know, you're always trying to emulate the host's voice and emulate what the show already looks like while putting your own spin on it. But I never had the experience of being like oh this is for me like I am actually the right person for the job and that was what I felt when I read the just the description of Full Frontal. How empowering. Well and I think what has been so special for me is like I had that experience with Full Frontal and I had it again with the Black Lady Sketch Show and in both cases it was just a woman being like I see you. I see what you can do. Come do it. And that has been like how my career has progressed, which is like so magical. That
0: is so wonderful. So talk about a Black Lady sketch show. How many women are involved with this in front of the camera as well as behind the camera?
1: Uh, So there were six writers, um, plus Robin and our head writer, Lauren Ashley Smith. And then I was also a cast member uh, with Robin and two other cast members, uh, Quinta Brunson and Gabrielle Dennis. And so we wrote first, we did all the writing first, and then did all the shooting. And so sort of the difference in writing for those two shows is like in late night, you get your material from the news. So you're either watching the news or reading articles, and then whatever is happening, you're finding like a funny spin to put on it. Um, And then in sketch, the difference is. There's no material that's like, there's not a steady stream of material coming to you. You have to generate all of it because it's not based on the news, on this show. It's not topical. So it's more internal, like digging into your relationships, your feelings, what you're thinking about right now, what's going on with your girlfriend and coming up with ideas out of that.
0: So you're personalizing it much more, obviously. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So sketch comedy is a group activity. You come up with an idea and you run it by the other women and it's either everybody says, yeah, I get it and we're going to do this or it's like voted out.
1: Yes, basically. So we would come in on this show and we would pitch in the morning um, a couple of ideas and Robin and our head writer, Lauren, would sort of be like, yeah, we like that one. And as a group, we would kind of build on it. Um, what I like about the show is like every sketch is super layered and like at every point in the process, you're just adding more to it. So you have a simple idea. And then by the time the whole group discusses it, it already becomes more layered and nuanced. Um, and then we would go off and write um, our first draft alone. And usually you'd end up getting notes and writing a second draft, getting notes and writing a third draft. And then the whole group would come together and rewrite the scene again. Wow. And that was like the most fun thing because you have now rewritten it three times. you like, okay, this is at the best of my abilities. The structure, the bones are all there. And then literally like some of the funniest women in the world are just, building on what you already did and taking sketches from like what you thought was a 10 to an 11, 12, a 100. When I was, you know, first got the job and was telling people, Oh, I'm working on this new show. It's so exciting. It's all women. So many people ask the question, Oh, it must be terrible. Um, oh, were you guys all fighting with each other? What happens at that time of the month? Like oh, that was God. the common response. I will tell you it was the most peaceful process I've ever been a part of in my entire life. We literally never had a single fight and I'm not just saying that. It just didn't happen. And we were all so excited to be together. And actually, the mood of being in that room full of women is just people being like, you're amazing. You're hilarious. If I show up to work in my sweatpants, they're like, yes, come on, sweatpants. You look great. Let's work." Like, It was the most joyful, supportive process I've ever been a part of. And a big part of any writer's room is like, Pitching on jokes and everyone trying to beat each other's joke, right? But it's not in a competitive
0: way. That's because there's no men in this, right?
1: Yeah, there is sometimes, particularly male energy of like when the uh, sometimes people like when their joke gets replaced, they're annoyed by it. But I think the energy that we had here in an all-female space was like oh yeah, that's better. Thank you. Thank you for improving my thing. You're
0: amazing. Do you see this as having a really long lifespan? Uh, That's a question
1: for HBO. I think the show has really long legs. That's to me, the thing about sketch is like, it's always responding to the moment. So there can always be more of it. There's no end to the story like there would be with a sitcom or drama or something like that. Um, so, you know, I hope HBO keeps us around, uh, We had a really good time working on it. I think people are really enjoying it. So we'll see.
0: Now, I also noticed uh, as I watch the show and I've I've done some reading that you've got some bold-faced names that are appearing on the Black Lady Skit Show. So talk about that and why. I think it's
1: twofold. Like, One, of course, if you have the opportunity to have celebrities, that just helps people want to tune in, and that's great and we were i think surprised by how many people were so excited to do it and so the list just kept growing and growing because everyone they asked said yes and as people heard about the show they're like can i be on it like people were excited about it
0: wow and then i think
1: the other side of that is um you know the show um is primarily women a lot of the time um black women get pigeonholed into being one thing um and sometimes that can be stereotypical but even if it's not if you make a career of being a dramatic actress it's very hard for the industry to allow you to do comedy or even there are some actresses who early in their career they like played a mom once and now they've only played a mom you know for the rest of their career i remember when i was out auditioning a couple of years ago in la i auditioned for a role that was a nurse And I looked over at the woman's resume next to me and that woman had played nothing but nurses for her entire career. She'd been a nurse on every show that was ever set in a doctor's office or a hospital. So I think the reason so many celebs wanted to do a black lady sketch show is like, oh, it's an opportunity to play a different kind of character I don't normally get to play or to do comedy, which I'm not often invited to do. And they were in to do sketch and they were just excited for the opportunity to do sketch as much as they were to do this particular show, I think.
0: I would think for you in terms of starting out at Second City and that you were, you know, involved in theater arts, that this has got to be. Such a wonderful, wonderful experience for you. You know, it's one thing to be a a correspondent like you were on Full Frontal and to be part of a fabulous writing team. But, man, you're really using your acting chops.
1: Yeah, it's really great to get to bring it all together. Like, I think with that sketch and improv training, you can do anything. You can write. You can act. um, You can do late night. Um, but when you're doing sketch is when you get to do everything together. And that's my favorite thing. And I actually started out in the business as an actor, um, at second city, if you want to act, you have to write, they like, you have to write your own material. So that was how I started writing. Mm -hmm. But because people knew me from full frontal, they didn't know me as an actor. Like I remember one time I went in for an audition while I was on full frontal, And the casting director was like, oh, my God, you're really good. I'm glad you came in. I didn't know you were an actor. And I was like, what do you think I'm doing? I'm on TV. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm just pretending not to know the answers to the questions when I ask them. (laughs) But people don't see, like, being a correspondent as being an actor. So even though, like, that's where my career started and and that's something I've always done, it's nice to, like, sort of reintroduce myself to people like, oh, yeah, I I am also an actor. (laughs)
0: So here you are at at this place at this time. What do you see for you? What do you want to do that you haven't done? Is the world your oyster? Uh, I, mean, I guess the
1: world is my, like, whatever appetizer you get before you get the <laughs> oyster. <laughs> I'm definitely, like, in the restaurant, I think.
0: <laughs> God, you're
1: hilarious, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, like, my big dream, I would love to have my own show that I write and star in. Um, I think that's possible, but I think it's a ways off. But um, yeah, I think like reminding people that I am a writer performer, you know, not just a writer and not a political commentator, <laughs> which is what people started to think I was is a step towards that dream.
0: When you look at your life, are you was amazed the right word at what you've done based on how old you are?
1: Oh, I should be, but I feel old. I like, look at me like there's so many successful children out there. You know, (laughs) when I started doing comedy, I, the first time I did sketch comedy, I was like, Oh my God, this is it. I found my purpose. This is my thing. Um, I really found my voice at the second city and um, that felt amazing. But that's not the same thing as being like, I can be successful here. And that took much longer. And the messages you're getting from the industry are not like, hey, welcome in. Here's yeah, carpet. Yeah. It's very much like, oh, this probably isn't going to happen for you. Not you. Uh, maybe you can write and, you know, just don't let anybody see you. <laughs> just write some jokes. And so as much as I. I think I always felt that I could do this. It's very amazing and surprising to me that I actually got to do it. And I'm so incredibly grateful to Robin for sending me that text message and for seeing that ability was inside of me.
0: But you have to have come into what you've done in life with a very strong sense of self, which, by the way, I see as an amazing tie that binds all the women who I've interviewed. This belief in you, whether you got it at home or you had to cultivate it on your own, to get out there and do what it is you do. Yeah, and I definitely got it
1: at home. I think my parents were like very aware that the world beats up black people in a very psychic way and so when we were kids literally the conversation in our house was always you're the smartest kids in the world you're the most attractive kids in the world you're amazing and like they made us work hard like my mom didn't allow erasers you had to if you messed (laughs) up go back and write the whole essay again like get it right um a thing that she used to always do that killed us as kids and now we're very grateful for is every question we asked and we were like oh what's this or you know we're watching the news and we'd be like what does that word mean our mom would go look it up look it up wow. in the encyclopedia of the dictionary i said i'm old we had encyclopedias um, <laughs> <laughs> slightly pre-internet um but yeah she would always encourage us to be curious and to look things up and to work hard but they also made sure they always told us That we were great and that we could do anything and that if someone told you otherwise they were wrong the truth is that you are good Um, and i think that i just kind of always had that little kernel to carry with me
0: i think that that combination is massive that you really can't have one without the other and for them to send you out into the world again, with that strong sense of self and don't expect everybody to do stuff for you, you know, that you have to be yeah. proactive in your own life.
1: Yeah. It's a combination of like, cause I do think there are parents who just tell their kids you're wonderful, right. you're perfect, you're everything. And, and that doesn't work out. But I think the combination my parents had was like, you're wonderful, you're inherently good, but also you have to work really hard. And like the, the black saying is like twice as good to get half as much. <laughs> and that's what my parents would always say. Like, you have the potential to go anywhere and do anything, but no, it's going to be twice as hard for you as it is for other people. So just build in that work from the beginning.
0: Were you always funny? Um, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it's
1: very funny. My parents say um, when I was a kid, they had a conversation where they were like, you know, obviously unbeknownst to them that this would be the future. They were like, Um, Ashley's not funny.
0: (laughs) I mean, that came out of nowhere.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, because I guess the thing that I would do as a kid is kind of start conversations in the middle. Like I was really curious about things and I would like read a whole book about like marine biology or Martin Luther King or something and then come and, and start just spouting it at people because I was so excited. And they were kind of teaching me, like, you have to start at the beginning of the conversation. (laughs) I'm excited about this. Have you heard of it? You know, and then conversation they had privately, that they told me about later. They were like, how is she going to make friends? Because she's not funny. And she's like always (laughs) talking about (laughs) sex.
0: I hope they've been eating their words.
1: Yes. Well, they told me that, I think, like, after I wanted an Emmy. They're like, oh, it turns out you're very funny. <laughs> we were wrong. rock. Um, but I think it's kind of a similar energy in that I was always um, really excited to communicate something to the world. And for me, comedy has been the most effective way to do that. Um, but I was always interested in
0: communicating. Well, obviously, comedy, if I can put words in your mouth, is a natural act for you.
1: Yeah, I well, I tried a lot of other things, I will say. <laughs> when I found comedy, it finally clicked. I was like, "Oh, this is what it is. This is what I've been looking for."
0: Well, that's huge because it doesn't happen to people all the time, you know, and that you can that you can capitalize on that on that love, on that passion. You know, that's what's so fabulous.
1: Yeah, to get to have both your passion and your career be the same thing is very rare and I'm extremely grateful for it. And, you know, I hope it lasts.
0: (laughs) Have you ever thought about, you know, going back or have you gone back to Second City? Do you miss it? Um,
1: I do improvise occasionally. I don't have a ton of time for it, but I do. It's sort of like um, going to the gym. Like you do need to work that muscle. Mm. Um, But also being in a writer's room all day, you do a lot of improvising in the room. Uh, But yeah, improvising in front of an audience is like drugs. It's like the best you'll ever feel. So I do try to get back uh, every now and then.
0: I would be very remiss if we didn't talk about you and Elizabeth Warren. (laughs) Would you explain that, please? Because this is hilarious.
1: Yeah. So late one night, I was just scrolling through Twitter and I saw like several tweets in a row. People talking about or news outlets writing about different Elizabeth Warren plans and there were just so many of them. And in my mind I thought like, oh my gosh, she has a plan for everything. And I just jokingly tweeted, Do you think Elizabeth Warren has a plan to fix my love life? And it was just like a joke about how many plans, how comprehensive her list of plans is. Um and the joke went pretty viral. Uh, which is a, you know, not uncommon occurrence for me. But then the craziest thing happened was <laughs> that Elizabeth Warren responded and she said, DM me and we'll figure this out. <laughs> and I just thought, like, what a great joke. Like, truly, that was my response. Like, um, a lot of politicians are not funny and people write jokes for them. And right. it's hard for them to figure out how to be authentically funny. And that was, like, such a good yes and to my joke. And I was just like... Bravo, Elizabeth Warren or her team or whoever. That was a great joke. And I kind of left it at that. Like, I was just happy for her that she was funny. And then uh, she actually DM'd me and was like, "Uh, can I have your number? I'd like to give you a call and talk about this.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: (laughs) And she called me, and I think I must have just stammered on the phone. Like, I was so... Shocked and overwhelmed. I don't think I had a very intelligent end of the conversation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She didn't hold that against you. No. (laughs) And in that same vein, of course, I joined the, the minions who loved that interaction you had with Cory Booker about wanting to marry him. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's very cute. And, you know, I don't apologize for
0: it. <laughs> oh, and don't at all. I mean, you know, he's still, you know, <laughs> Ashley's still available, isn't he? Or does he have a good... Maybe he does have a significant other.
1: Now he's dating Rosario Dawson, who's no Ashley, but I guess she'll do.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe this is just, you know, a temporary situation. I would be a little remiss before I said goodbye if I didn't ask you to talk about Sip on This, your podcast.
1: Yeah, again, um, I uh, my Twitter is um, like... A- A man of like my vision board, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I tweeted, I want to do an advice column. So I'm putting that out into the universe. And a couple of outlets reached out and were like, we'd love you to do an advice column here. Uh, So I went with Dame, uh, which is a great uh, feminist outlet. And we started writing the column um, and then had the idea to do a podcast. And basically, what it is, is I have a woman on who I have gotten advice from. So um, I'm not really interested in like, talking to celebs or like, who's the most popular person, it really is someone who I value their advice giving personally, and Mm -hmm. I want to share it uh, with the world So like, yes, Samantha B has been on it, but my mother has also been on it. And PS, my mom's episode is the number
0: one. Mostly. Isn't that fabulous? Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, and she gives great advice. She's my number one advice giver in real life. Um and what we do is listeners submit questions and um first I ask the woman for a piece of advice that I need in my life and then we answer the listeners questions and some of the episodes are funny, some of the episodes are very emotional, very deep. We really just follow whatever the question is and I'm that person in my group of girlfriends who's like the advice person. And and I take that responsibility very seriously and really try to listen to what they want. Because I think a lot of times when people say they're giving you advice, they're really giving themselves advice. Like Mm -hmm. if they're someone who didn't go to college, they're going to tell you not to go to college. And what I try to do is like really hear what that person wants and what their real issue is and respond to it and kind of take my biases out of the process as much as I can. Um, and so I just wanted to bring that experience to a larger group of people because I felt like, you know, people are hurting a lot right now and looking for direction. Um, and I think a lot of people feel isolated. Like one thing I noticed working on full frontal and getting to interview a lot of people just such a good experience because I just got to have like these, um, intimate moments with people from all walks of life and all over the country. And one of the things that I noticed is like a lot of uh, people feel isolated in where they are and they're getting that connection maybe online to people who they feel like have like minded beliefs and that can be good and it can be bad. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. Adding to that conversation of like, that girlfriend advice circle, like, let's take it larger and and share that conversation. Oh,
0: that's great. That's great. And not for nothing. There's this ability for you not so much to reinvent yourself, but to go in another direction and not I mean, you're aware of what's going on, but it doesn't define you that you can exhale in a way that maybe you couldn't when you were doing all this political stuff.
1: Yeah. And I guess part of that, too, I think this is like very cheesy, but I really am very happy to have had improv in my life. And it's hard for me doing the advice column not to advise every single person to take an improv class. <laughs> but
0: like,
1: one of the things that you learn is to be in the moment and accept what is happening and build from what is happening as opposed to projecting what you want to have happen. And so it's, I try to find that space in everything that I do. And so working on a more political show, as much as like, you know, just having to read that much news is exhausting and awful uh, for everyone, no matter where you are on the political spectrum, no one's looking at today's news cycle being like, Oh, I'm enjoying this. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It's bad, but trying to um, build from that place of openness and acceptance and being with people in interviews with people, with regular people, with politicians and just trying to really hear people as I would in an improv scene. Um, And then also the same, you know, with the advice column, really reading that letter and trying to read between the lines and be fully open to what that person is trying to communicate. And then, you know, in the sketch world, it becomes really listening to yourself and like, what are those deep dark things inside of myself that I can put on the page and, someone else can see that and recognize part of themselves and laugh at it and interact with it in like a fun, safe way. To me, it's all kind of the same thing of just like trying to be open to the world where it is and um, accept it and yes, and it and interact with it in a way that makes people laugh and and allows them to deal with it in a way that maybe they wouldn't if the laughter wasn't there.
0: Will you be my therapist?
1: (laughs) you don't want that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that is just such wonderful, empowering advice. We've run out of time, but I have one more question to ask you. If I were your fairy godmother, what would you want from me? What would you ask me?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Oh, I mean, I guess I simultaneously have like a fantasy answer and a real answer. Go for both. Uh, And the fantasy answer is like, give me a TV show. And the real answer is like, erase my student loans. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) And why not be able to do both? Hey, Ashley, I mean, it's always so great to talk to you. You are the best. I wish you continued success. The world's a better place because of Ashley Nicole Black. Really, I forgive the gushing, but it's so well-deserved. You're the best.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's so kind. And I appreciate you so much. Like, you interviewed me before a lot of people wanted to, and you always are so supportive, and I just appreciate
0: it so much. Well, I can live vicariously through your successes Thanks a lot, Ashley, and continued success. Thank you. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.